Welcome in 8 by 80 podcast, Austin Ham, Tyler Smith, and a little bit of a break through January there, just with life and everything, just kind of getting spiraling. It was probably good for both of us just to take some time and not have some weeknight evenings occupied putting the podcast together. But as we're getting into February now, Tyler, we've got a few things to wrap up from before the holiday, and we've got news coming hot and heavy, and we're just about to turn the page already to schedule for the next season. Yeah, this is kind of a good, um, we'll call it kind of a housekeeping uh, episode where we kind of go through some of the things that we kind of missed out on or to kind of keep everybody updated on stuff that's going on right before we get into uh, schedules like you talked about. Um, and then we'll be we'll be to the end of basketball season right around there. So we'll be picking up with track and next thing you know, we'll be doing our district previews throughout the summer. So um, crazy to think summer's, summer's gaining on us pretty quickly, but um, as temperatures are starting to kind of rise up, it, it's definitely starting to feel that way. Absolutely. Like you said, it just, it comes so fast. The season moves fast every year, just moves faster and faster. Uh, we do want to start by touching back on our last episode. Um, and that was where we did our senior super draft. And then we had you guys vote Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and on the podcast itself via Spotify. And Tyler, I'm not going to say I won it comfortably, but I did win. I had 118 votes to your 96. And I think the way you and I kind of felt about the teams after the fact, we felt like a close vote was what it deserved. Yeah, I mean, both both teams you can make cases for um, just, just came down to kind of everybody's personal preference. Um, it actually looked like I was going to kind of run away with the votes there for a while. And then you got a massive... Uh, surge on Facebook to kind of take the lead. Um, but yeah, like you talked about, we, we knew it was going to be kind of close. Um, and that's exactly what the two teams that we put together deserved. Um, tons of star power, also tons of guys that ended up getting left off the episode um, across the state. I mean, just this senior class was just a lot of fun to watch. Um, not just this year, but the past four years. And uh want to tip the hat to all those seniors and uh yeah just super fun episode loved all the feedback of uh, the messages that we got from um both parents athletes coaches um just a super fun episode that that for sure we've bookmarked that we're going to keep doing that um for years to come so that was that was a lot of fun um but yeah you won so congratulations yeah it was super fun and i think the thing that'll be most interesting will be Comparing our rosters to the Sertoma all-star rosters when those come out here, I think those drop sometime in March. So that will be really, really fun, I think, to compare those two things. But it was, like you said, that was an absolute blast. One of the more fun episodes we've gotten to do, and there's just no chance we don't keep up with that because that was fantastic. We do need to give a shout-out to our Fantasy League champion. Uh, I almost did it, Tyler. I was the sixth seed. I got into the championship game, but I couldn't get it done. Yeah, you were you were kind of the last hope out of the two of us. Um, my team just loaded with injuries um, right off the bat. Um, but yeah, uh, fantasy league champion uh, goes to Will Gunning, um, a Plainview Pirate alum. Um, still need to try and kind of narrow down exactly what we want to do for a prize. There was no buy-in. It was just kind of for fun to kind of get some different guys um, and gals across the state that. Um, enjoy fantasy football and are kind of part of the eight man community. Um, so that was a lot of fun, just kind of an extra league to play in. Um, I'm sure we'll kind of change some things for next season. Um, but with Will winning, um, I think he gets an automatic invite back into the league if he wants to do it again next season. Um, 
but yeah, I, I see Will fairly often, so I'm not too worried about trying to track him down to get him his championship prize. So yeah, is a, he's either an automatic invite or an automatic disqualification. We'll cross yeah. that probably yeah. not. So we'll see. We'll see how we play that. But um, mentioned the Saratoma game, and in conjunction with that, we did have the uh, eight-man Hall of Fame inductees announced by the Nebraska Eight-Man Football Coaches Association. Was that earlier this week or late last week that that news came down? But the list for 2024 for players includes Stephen Budgeta of Howells, Chris Carpenter of Fall City Sacred Heart, Josh Frerichs of Lodgepole, Brian Hahn of Hampton, Brandon Johnson of Rushville, Jerry Lease of Indianola, Matt McGinn of Anselmo Myrna, Travis Malati of Bloomfield, guy you, you and I are both very, very familiar with, uh, Larry Toms- Tomlinson of O'Neill St. Mary's, Jeff Verhusen of Adams, and coaches are John Dahl of Mead and Kurt Johnson of Lawrence. And I know it, it was pretty neat, I think, for me, just thinking about seeing Travis Malati's name on there because a thing that you obviously us both being Bloomfield guys, that's cool to see. But just when I start thinking about the fact that I now do an eight man football podcast. I did not play eight man football. We've talked about it before. We were both track and cross country guys. But when I start thinking about my earliest football memories, I think about the Travis Malati led Bloomfield team that would finish as a state runner up. And they, they lost to Howells in that state champ in that state championship game in the early two thousands. And just, that's probably one of my very, very earliest football memories is that game. And specifically Malati getting an injury worked on, on the sideline during that game. So just really kind of, kind of a full circle moment for me to see him going into the hall of fame. Yeah. And it was really cool. Um, to see that as well as kind of the other guys that have that have officially made the Hall of Fame. Um, I was actually supposed to ref a junior high basketball game with Travis. Um, I think that was two weekends ago, um, but he was he was busy chasing kids around at another basketball tournament. Um, so I ended up having to diff- have a different fill in. But uh, yeah, I was excited to tell him congratulations on making the Hall of Fame. Um, but I actually haven't got to see him. Uh, usually I catch him at the basketball games. Um, but haven't haven't had a home game for a little bit so been missing out on that but yeah congratulations to everybody um that made the the 2024 class both coaches and players um i think it's really cool to see the different uh schools yeah listed that aren't specifically there anymore where they're right, combined yeah. or they've gone somewhere else or dissolved or what have you i think that's really cool to see all the different old school um schools listed yeah, that's one of my favorite parts is as we get closer to that induction ceremony, you get those kind of those write-ups for all these guys. So you th- I, specifically, you think about Frerichs from Lodgepole, Brandon John- mm-hmm. Johnson from Rushville, uh, Lace from Indianola. Like those guys were like, oh, yeah, that's just not a school anymore and hasn't been for quite some time. Like I don't think you or I have a memory of Rushville not being part of Gordon Rushville. And right. Just and I mean, obviously, you know, neither of us is even 30 yet. I'm hanging on just barely. But so it's not like we have (laughs) the longest memories of sport around the state, but we're both pretty well, pretty with it. And so anything that's kind of like, wow, that's really kind of back before I can recall or before kind of my my even back to when our knowledge starts. That's really, really, really fun and really, really interesting. And it's one of our favorite things. I mean, think about how much time you and I spent talking about the football field in Colbertson a year and a half ago after we Mm -hmm. drove it to and from on our way to to hitchcock county that's just that's the kind of stuff we're about man that's probably that that probably is why we have the podcast but that's you know who's to say 
Yeah, and, and if we ever get a really good gas mileage vehicle and just a ton of time, which it seems like we'll probably never have either one yeah, of those, okay. we're, right. we're going to go tour some of these old school facilities, um, old school fields. Uh, we talked about doing one where we just did a road trip and just ate food in kind of different eight-man towns. Uh, but yeah, super cool. Uh, we're both kind of nerds when it comes to um, the different histories around eight-man and just kind of small town communities in general. So really cool to see all the different ones listed there yeah it is it is and it's really fun and interesting to see all that because it always there's just as time goes on things even things that you think would never change do wind up changing and one change that did actually drop today and just because kind of the some of the the semi-official aspect of the announcement came today from the catholic archdiocese it feels like we probably should bring it up today to the saint francis flyers with uh Lindsay Holy Family being closed by the Catholic Church. It does look like this town of Lindsay is going to gear up and start that Lindsay Charter School. So a lot of those students probably won't be switching lo- won't be switching locations. But the Catholic Church is combining the schools, so it will no longer be the St. Fl- Francis Flyers. But at, according to the message board traffic this afternoon, St. Francis will now be Archangels Catholic, and their mascot will be the Defenders. Tyler, thoughts? Uh, I've, I've got mixed feelings. I mean, you and I both talk about all the time of all these, uh, how we like new mascots and kind of new identities and stuff. But I think Saint, I, I'm really going to miss the St. Francis Flyers that was super iconic, um, where you just hear the name St. Francis and you immediately can picture the Flyers logo. Um, it's been that way forever. Um, historic program. Um, and then as we kind of saw this storyline developing, you got to see kind of the background story of how the Flyers got their name. Um, so I have mixed feelings. I'm, I'm going to miss the Flyers. Um, excited to embrace the, the new defenders. But um, you and I both love uh, kind of different style uh, mascots and logos and stuff like that. And I, th- I think the Flyers was a really cool one that is, is going to be missed. Um, but everybody that's got that old school Flyers gear, just hang on to it because it's going to become vintage here real shortly. Yeah, I just I remember the first time for it was I was probably for a basketball game that I went went to St. Francis and I just going into their gym and it just being absolutely plastered with every activity you could imagine with state championship banners all over the place. It's dang near wallpapered with it. And it, that just always really stuck with me. I think I was probably, I was probably a freshman or sophomore when I first saw that. And that's always stuck with me. And so it is it. Like you said, you have to embrace the change. You got to just roll with it. But it will be it is it is sad to see something with that much history. If that is it for the Flyers, it will be the it will be a true era that deserves to be remembered and remembered well because they were, like you said, a historic program in so, so many ways. Moving on to the next probably even bigger change, uh, not probably certainly a bigger change, and that is we actually had a meaningful change to the structure of eight-man football get through three of the six districts at the NSAA level, and so that it has moved on to the legislative commission uh, that should meet here in the coming weeks. There were a couple different proposals on the table, Tyler, but the one that made it through uh, originated in District 3, originated with Hardington Newcastle, and they've kind of been pushing on this front for a handful of years now. Uh, the one that made it through, we would be adding a third class of eight-man football. So you'd have D1, D2, and D3. 
and we would be moving the in this uh, iteration of it, we would be moving the number to be playoff eligible from 47 on your enrollment number up to 51. There was a, another one on the table that would have moved the number up to 55. And there was also one that I can't remember the exact details of, but that was a pretty more, that was a much more sweeping structure that started with some more stringent numbers in terms of class sizes all the way up at class A and creating a class AA. And that worked its way, would work its way all the way down. But that one failed at the district level, as did the moving the number to 55. So the one that looks like it just squeaked through moving the number to 51, adding a third class for eight-man football. Tyler, I think we're both pretty pretty well in favor of moving that number up to 51. So I want to start on the other side of things and just, like, when you think about adding a third class of eight-man football to the state, what is it just, how does that grab you? Well, it, it kind of grabs me in, in the sense of there's a lot of teams that seem like right now they're kind of in a purgatory um, of where – they're not quite big enough to go play uh, 11 man, but then they're playing down an eight man and they're not being playoff eligible. Um, I mean, there's some local ones that kind of come to mind. I mean, you've got um, Laurel's numbers are going way up. Um, I Wake, believe Wakefield playoff. Wakefield is the one that really kind of jumps out to me, um, especially with the turf field and everything. Um, and so, I, I think it could really benefit those schools that, that just seem like they're kind of stuck um, in between classes at the moment um, and not really sure which which way to go and whatnot. I mean, you, you even look at like Crofton just up the road. Um, I know they had talked with that when they were originally going to go from 11 to 8. Um, that was going to be just a one-year cycle deal. Um, they've had some success, especially this last season in 8. Um, and it sounds like they're going to stay, well, they're, they're definitely going to stay eight for this upcoming cycle. Um, but are they going to stay around there where do their numbers go back up? Um, they're one of those ones that I, I can see kind of right on that line. Um, and there's several that, um, we'll get into it in our next topic where there's a lot of schools that are changing classes where they were right on that line. And now, um, some schools that have been eight man for a while have to go back up to 11 or are going to go to 11 for some of the first time. So um, I, I think it just kind of helps those those schools that are in that spot, as well as it might end up benefiting some of those schools on the lower end where maybe they're debating going six. But then since there's more more eight man down towards the bottom, um, they're able to be competitive in that D D three district or d3 class i should say um so i think it's i think it mostly benefits your teams that are on the edges if, if that makes sense you're two you're kind of outlier type teams i think that's exactly right because i would imagine that one of the bigger gripes if this was a proposal to just move that eight man number to 51 and not adjusting the classes in any way shape or form you would have, again, like you said, your school's kind of at the bottom end of your classes going, well, wait a minute. So am I going to have to compete for state championships with somebody who's, you know, you've got schools with enrollments around that 20 number. And if you move this number up to 51, you're talking about, so I'm going to have to be competing potentially with, am I playing games against somebody who's got more than double my enrollment? And when you're talking that high of a percentage with those number of bodies, that's a really meaningful difference. And so you can understand why the small schools would have some trepidation over that. But you create this extra class at the top 
I mean, this cycle alone, we've got 17 schools playing eight man football that are not that are going to be in D1 that aren't playoff eligible. So we've got essentially half a class worth of teams just there. And now not all of those would be encompassed by this 51 number, but you would create some space for some of those. And you've also got some that would that are playing C2 ball right now that are under that 51 number that could potentially come down and join up. Like it's really, really easy to see how you get to a class at to a large to a larger class and then you take those smaller schools you split them up between themselves and then like i said those schools that are floating in that 20 to 25 range they're competing against each other they don't have to feel like there's a school with double their enrollment that's going to potentially be standing in front of them when they get to lincoln if they're trying to compete for a state championship and i think that's what makes this all kind of make the most sense to me in terms of the in terms of how it lays out, if I truly had my druthers out of all the proposals that went out this year, I think I would have probably pushed for the moving the number to 55 as opposed to 51, just because just for kind of that'd be more kind of getting out in front of it where numbers seem to be heading in terms of how these schools are lining up, where enrollments are landing compared to participation and how teams are looking. I think that 55 number would be a little bit more forward looking with this third class, but I think do think that this is just the right direction and i'm hopeful that it doesn't just go dead in the water here once it hits the legislative commission right and i mean just it making it through the districts is big because it just keeps creating the discussion that something something needs altered um especially in this eight-man realm um you talked about how some of the some of the higher classes stuff got shut down um but I mean, even if it doesn't make it through, at least it's creating the discussion of how do we fix this? What are we going to do? Um, and and just kind of going from that realm of it, um, like you said, I, I the amount of teams that are playoff ineligible um, for D1 is just crazy. Um, and and really, there's not that many teams that have just magically moved down to eight man, um, which I think is a good good spot for us to transition to some more changes um which is the schools that are going to be changing classes um we'll start off with the teams that are moving down to six man from eight man so the teams that we're losing is going to be diller odell uh medicine valley uh layton ansley litchfield and silver lake those are all going down to six man away from eight man um so we're losing those and then some more that we're losing um, that are going the different spectrum. They're going up to 11-man football. Is going to be Palmyra, Cross County, Conestoga, Omaha, Brown, El Talbot, and then Superior. Um, so those are all teams that we're losing. Um, I guess thoughts thoughts on some of the teams that we're losing, Austin. Well, first off, it's a bummer to lose Dillerodell's field. That's yeah. that's, that's an absolute field the dream style build with the with the field the cornfields right in around it. Love seeing Diller Odell's field on some strive streams. Obviously, I haven't been there myself in person, but it's always looked awesome. And so it will be a bummer to not be taking them in. Uh, Ansley Litchfield, they were they were the last team in in the playoffs this year. They snake they snuck in that last spot and did a great job of keeping themselves competitive this year. So a bummer to see them gone as well. Palmyra, two years ago, we talked about how awesome they were, that facility that they've got that's built for 11-man football. It's If they've got the numbers to support it, the Palmyra Panthers are hopefully going to go to a good permanent home for themselves where they fit where they fit in well at that C2 level. And 
I mean, we can't get out of here without mentioning Cross County, <laughs> how much yeah. we've talked about them across these last two years. These last two seasons, our first two seasons doing this podcast, Cross County was an integral part of the eight-man structure, both in the quality of their team, the quality of recruits that they had. You know, you've got two guys going Division One, a preferred walk-on in Nebraska and a scholarship to Illinois. You've got other guys on that roster that are going to be collegiate football players or collegiate athletes in other sports. That's They were just super, super deep and talented. They were, real frankly, really, really good in terms of being interactive with us on social media. So we always really, really appreciated that. And so, Cross County Cougars, you will certainly be missed in the eight-man ranks, and you will be certainly be missed by Tyler and myself. Yeah, and and we've kind of hit on this before, but teams that are kind of interactive with us or um, have people in the community that are messaging us about their school or things that are going on or kind of schedule changes, just just being interactive with us hold a special place in our heart because it is really hard to find information on some of these eight-man players, eight-man schools. I mean, um, that's the whole reason that we started the podcast was to try and draw attention and um just give these um young athletes the coverage that they deserve um so anytime that a community helps us out with that um it's always greatly appreciated and cross county did a really good job of that um you talk about angie litchfield sneaking into the playoffs uh so did silver lake um yeah had to, co- had to come up and play why not over here in the backyard so um another one that snuck into the playoffs it's going to be going down to six man so six man might get might become very fun here in the next season um with some of the eight mans that are going down and then some of the kind of powerhouse six mans that have been around so um sad to see all those teams go but um we're also going to be bringing in some new teams so teams that are moving down to eight man from 11 man is going to be david city um tri-county that's not Tri-County Northeast. They're saying eight-man like they have been. Um, this is the other Tri-County. Um, and then Centennial and your backyard yep. finally come into the eight-man community of West Holt. Um, that's got to make you feel pretty good. Oh, yeah. It's obviously super fun for me. Of course, the I start a eight-man football podcast the first cycle in quite some time that the Huskies had been up to 11-man. But they only did one cycle up there and Listen, just because of where we're positioned here in Atkinson, that turned into a wicked district. You're talking about having to consistently play Norfolk Catholic, Battle Creek, Cedar Catholic. Those guys were going to be mainstays on the schedule, uh, making trips as far west as Gordon Rushville, as far east as Ponca. It was not easy sledding for West Holt in 11-man, and so I do think that they're probably going to have a nice home here in eight man, especially if that number, if we talk about that number moving up, because the Huskies are a team that is just outside of that playoff eligibility this year. They're, I think their number for the coming season is 49. And again, the eligibility number is 47. So they're right in that narrow little window there. Tri-County, I think also just did one season, one cycle in 11 man, and they're coming back to eight. Centennial, I know has been historically been, I think this is their first dip down at eight man. And David City, that's probably the one that's the most eyebrow raising is that it's going to be really, really hard for there to be a spot where the number gets high enough that David city is a playoff eligible eight man team. But just from a competitive and participation standpoint, you can see why they did it. You can see kind of just what drove, what drove them to do that. But I think that's a, that's probably the most eyebrow raising of the ones that are moving down from 11 man. 
Yeah, and and I'm excited. I'm excited to see um, these teams like you talked about how they've some of them have been in eight man before. Some of them are going to be new to it. Um, so you've got some learning curve going on there. Um, how how quickly they adapt. I mean, we saw Crofton two years ago come down to eight man where they thought or people thought, hey, they're going to be really good. And then they kind of learned, hey, there's a little bit of a, a learning curve to this. And they got it figured out after year one um, and made a deep semifinal run this past season so um i'm anxious to see how these teams moving down from um 11 man down to eight man adapt especially those ones that have been in eight man before um and then we're also gaining three teams um that are going to be coming up from the six man realm um and that's going to be franklin brady and then wilcox hildreth um so all in all we're gaining uh seven teams um, to the eight-man realm, um, like you talked about. Some have been here before, some are brand new, um, all of them are exciting. Yeah, it really isn't. Like Brady and Franklin, they've been strong lately. Wilcox Hildreth was one of the best teams in six-man last year. So, real, and it's always good and encouraging, too, when you see schools that are able to, especially in some of those more remote areas, you see that the enrollment and the participation numbers are trending in a way that they feel like they can make that step up from six to eight. That always makes you just feel good about hopefully where growth and population is headed in greater Nebraska. So it'll be super fun to watch those guys make the transition. Uh, We'd be remiss if we didn't mention some of the new co-ops that are going to make up part of the eight man field this year as well. Uh, St. Ed, they had been playing six man football Newman Grove, no longer a part of the Boone Central Newman Grove co-op. So St. Ed and Newman Grove, they will be, I believe, the Panthers. Then it will be a combination of the maroon from the Beavers and the blue from the Blue Jays. And they are, so they will be eight man this year. And then Osmond, after not playing a varsity season last year, just did not have the boys numbers going forward. They are co-opt with Wausau. They will be the Wausau. It's Wausau Osmond. They will play football for at least, I believe, this cycle and next cycle as the Wausau Vikings. They may look at going deeper into that co-op world beyond that, but for the time being, it's the Wausau Vikings, but they're going to be supplemented with some guys from Osmond. Yeah, and and some of those guys that they're supplementing with, um, like you talked about, Osmond didn't have a varsity season um, this past year due to, due to not having the numbers. They did have, um, I believe it was nine kids, that they got to go out for football. Um, and so they played some JV games. Uh, I think they played almost everyone in their district this past season and won a lot of those JV games against some pretty solid young teams. Um, so I'm, I'm anxious to see how the different Osmond pieces fit in with Wausau, who's got a pretty emerging young team between, uh, Matt Carlson. And then you've got, uh, Schindler as well, who um, was absolutely electric his freshman season. So um, I'm anxious to see how those two teams gel um, and then how long that co-op goes into effect. Um, Sounds like the um, Osmond is also asking to join for basketball as they're going to be dissolving from uh, the Randolph Osmond um, Hawks basketball co-op. So um, maybe we see, Wasa Osmond combining for even more stuff. Um, and then how long that goes, that'll be a question. Um, so that those, those two new co-ops are um, very interesting in terms of longevity, as well as the fact that um, 
you've got a lot of different moving pieces with St. Ed and Newman Grove going from six man and 11 man. Now you got to play eight with kids who aren't used to playing eight. So um, really interested to see how both those two teams come out this, this current season and cycle. Yeah. The Osmond part, just to me in terms of first pour one out for the highway 20 Hawks, one of my favorite co-op logos that had popped up over the last couple of years, that golden Hawk holding the highway 20 sign. I just I was a big fan of that. And, and then think about the fact that, Hmm, as we get into our district previews over the summer, when we get to Wausau Osmond, man, I'm, I'm going to have to find strive footage of Osmond JV games to see what those guys are bringing to the table to try to find some of those additions. And it's just, that's just how, that's where we're going to have to go to, try to get a good bead on what that looks like because it's going to be really, really tricky for both of those groups, I think, to really nail down, try to have a good feel for what they look like going into this year. But So those are the teams that rotated through, shifted up, shifted down in six-man, eight-man, 11-man. We do have districts that have been announced for all the classes of football. Uh, those districts came out back in December. Um, they've been working through scheduling the district and non-district opponents and everybody's preferences and trying to get the home away and iron all of that out. And that should be coming here in the next couple of weeks. But even if you just look at the districts, obviously that gives you an idea of a good chunk of the teams that'll be on each other's schedules at the bare minimum. And so you can kind of get a feel for that. And Tyler, just as we kind of comb through it, and I guess we can start with D1. Is there, is, are there some districts that have kind of stood out that are like, Hey, there's, Oh, that's interesting. That's a lot of playoff teams from a year ago. That's a lot of teams that seem punchy this year. Yeah, I think the one that jumps out right away is is a district that didn't change a whole lot in terms of the teams that are in it, and that's D14. Um, and that's got Elkhorn Valley, um, Laurel Concord, Coleridge, Lutheran High Northeast, Plainview, Stanton, and Summerland. Um, that that is one where um, you you could pick four teams out of that that you can confidently say are probably making the playoffs, maybe even five, depending on how teams teams do. Um, but w- when you're returning the defending state champs for D1 um, and then several teams that looked extremely good, um, they got kind of bit by injury bugs. Um, you saw Summerlin with their passing attack knock down Highline in the first round of playoffs in an upset. Um Plainview is going to be bringing a lot, a lot back um, this upcoming season. Um, really, that's it's just a very solid district where it, kind of scrolling through them, it's like that that you could kind of peg as being one of the deeper districts that you're going to find, um, not just in D1 but also in D2. Yeah, it's uh, you've got you know spoiler Stanton's going to be your favorite going into next year and next year in D1. Then you've got three other teams that won a playoff game, Lower Concord, Coleridge, Lutheran High Northeast. Those have been very dangerous teams in years past. So, yeah, that's a super, super fun district. The other one in D1 that caught my eye, that was D19, and that's got a little bit more topsy-turviness to it. North Platte St. Pat's is in there. They're rebuilding Highline, reloading, resetting. We'll see what it looks like for St. Pat's. Highline is in there, obviously beginning the post-Riker and Trayton Evans and Drew Norzer life but it'll be interesting to see what the bulls bring to the table after a really outstanding couple years dundee county stratton loses some guys but still has plenty of guys arapaho is a team that was really really punchy at the end of the year brings a lot back alma still has at bare minimum tucker biscuit who's probably going to be worth price of admission southern valley was qual was quality at points last year too like that's just one that's out west that's 
a little less proven, but probably is going to have somebody re- rise up and, you know, say if it's Arapahoe, if Arapahoe can go four and one in their district games, that's going to turn around and make you think that that's a pretty tough team. Yeah, and and that's one where um, the two districts that we kind of picked out are are more where um, it's going to be tough to figure out the the different seating of these um, districts to see who comes out on top um, and then who kind of fills out the middle. Um, but as I'm just kind of scrolling through D1, um, you take away those two districts, it gets very interesting in a lot of districts um, just in terms of a competitive teams aspect i mean you look at d d1 that d12 um you've got guardian angel central catholic homer pender tri-county northeast wakefield wisner pilger if you told me that i could win a million dollars right now if i was able to pick the winner of that district that's gonna be very very tough um so you've got a lot of districts that are very interesting in terms of just how they would shake out in terms of who's going to be your district champs um and different scenarios of where it might be kind of um a case of the big 10 west where they just kind of beat each other up um and nobody really has an outstanding season because they just end up beating each other um so d i think d1 um for sure has a lot of those um and we we were kind of talking before the show d2 um seems um we, we you could kind of argue last season d2 was kind of the deeper class where um you could kind of throw a dartboard at somebody and figure out one through 10. Um, this season, it seems like D one is going to be your deeper class and D two is a little bit more top heavy. Um, and just going through it. I mean, we'd be crazy if we didn't, if we didn't think D two three really just stood out. Um, and that one's got Fullerton Hells Dodge, um, St. Francis, who's going to be changing, um, Nebraska Christian Osceola and Riverside. Um, that's going to be a very, very punchy district. I mean, we saw um, the different damage that Howells Dodge was able to do, um, especially in the run game late into the season. It's a team that's always, always hangs around. St. Francis was extremely good. They're bringing a lot of pieces back. Um, Riverside showed some good bursts. Um, and then Osceola, who's going to be finding a new identity without Cale Gustafson this, this upcoming season. But um can never really write them off either. So that's going to be a, and Nebraska Christian as well. I mean, that team's or that district is just full of teams that just find ways to win games and rebuild year to year. Right. Just quality, quality depth. Obviously you've got top tier Howells Dodge, St. Francis. Those are two of your tippy top preseason teams in D2 next year. But like you said, those other four schools 100% feel like, you know, four or five wins is a very, very like more than reasonable. In fact, could be almost an expectation depending on how those non-district schedules break. So that's a really fun one that's gonna that we're gonna be keeping an eye on. And the other one that stood out to me, and it's kind of in a very different vein though, and that's D25. So that's got Axtell, Blue Hill, Elm Creek, Franklin, Kennesaw, and Wilcox Hildreth. Kennesaw and Axtell, those are both teams that were in the playoffs last year that return a ton of production. So you've got two teams that are certainly looking to see if they can push their way into what we said kind of feels like a wide, wide open. Who's going to be in the top 10 here for this team? Elm Creek, they've really kind of established themselves, reestablished themselves these last couple of years. Uh, Blue Hill's been struggling, but they've also got a pretty strong history down there. So you wouldn't be surprised to see that program bounce 
Like, and then the fact that two of our three teams that are coming up from six man are in this same district here in the Franklin Flyers and the Wilcox Hildreth Falcons. I'm really just, it's, there's just a lot of interesting different storylines I think that can emerge here from D two five. Yeah. That's another one that, that really jumped out to me in terms of the different storylines where, um, it's just a unique district where you've, you've got those, those two, uh, returning playoff teams, um, that have a have some key pieces coming back that are, that can really kind of be punchy. And then you've got, um, some history in blue Hill. And then you've got the two that are coming up from, uh, six man that, that have been having good seasons down in six man and are coming up. Um, and then Elm Creek, like you talked about, has really bounced their program back, especially, uh, two years ago, making a deep playoff run. So, um, yeah, that's another one that I'm excited to see how that all shakes out um, and how those six-man teams translate and the different pieces that are coming back from from the current eight-man teams in it. So that's another really good one there for D2 that, you, like you talked about, take away a couple of the top teams and that, and that D2 class is wide, wide open. Yeah, it really, it's going to be just super interesting. And then, again, in about a week here, we see the full schedules drop and that'll be really interesting to see just really how these schedules, how it all comes together. And that's going to give us an even better feel for, okay, who's going to have those out of, out of district opportunities to score massive wins. Where are those big time matchups going to show up and how is everything going to start to shake out? Because like you said, Tyler, the summer's going to be upon us before we know it, but we're going to have a spring to get through before that. And even now we've still got a basketball season that we're trying to get through. And I think there's been something that you've been using and something that we've talked about before that makes it a lot better and a lot easier for all of us to keep up with these teams around the state. And it, it probably bears mentioning again, since we haven't talked about it in a while, having been off. Yeah. Um, just not, not being in the football season, we haven't really been mentioning it, but that's uh, the any score feed app. Um, I use it at least a couple times a day, just checking scores um, across the state, especially this past couple of weeks with a lot of the conference tournaments going on. Um, they've done some updating. Um, now there's actually uh, a couple different community chat type deals where you can start community chats. Um, so if you're a fan of, let's say, the Wausau Vikings and you want to talk to some other Wausau Viking fans, you can all just kind of chat there as a group chat. Um, if you see different schedule issues, you can message them directly and they'll respond back very quickly. They're extremely good about it. Um, and the cool thing that they've put in is those different communities. And so, um, each school is given, um, a rain or a scale of where you can earn five stars for your team and the different ways to earn stars, um, is forming a community. So somebody just has to be a fan of the school. Um, the different team information has to be in, so home game locations, um, home game streaming link, and then um, your rosters. Um, so really not that hard. I mean, you can do almost all of that part just off of picking up a program when you go into the games. And then you've got schedule complete. That's That gets a little bit trickier. That's more of your admin stuff. Um, and then just fans in the stands. So just getting 25 people um joining the app and just kind of following along that way. And then game day performance that changes daily um, or at least whenever you have games. And that's that you just have to put in five score updates throughout the game. So 
the way I do it for Bloomfield is I put in one per quarter, and then if there's a timeout or something, then I just do an extra one, and boom, you hit your five. It's pretty simple to keep your stars. Um, I actually slacked pretty hard the last game, um, but it's just kind of cool to pull up the different um, right now sub-districts or the different rankings um, overall for teams because um, you can kind of see those zero through five stars and and that makes things a lot easier for us i can already tell going into football season because if a team has let's say three stars we already know their rosters are going to be on there um and so it's going to be extremely easy for us to find different stuff in terms of what height weight names stuff like that so when we go to um do our district previews over the summer um people are able to put in those rosters ahead of time. So if you're one of those parents that's um, got a lot of time in the summer, um, take the five minutes, put in the team roster. I mean, it's it's not hard and it, it makes our lives so much easier. But again, use the score feed app in football, use it in volleyball, basketball. Those are the ones that are available right now in Nebraska. Um, it's super easy just to follow along with your favorite teams and what's going on across the state. Um, they link rankings right into it off of the coaches polls um it's super it makes powerpoints following extremely easy um it's a super good useful app that i think everybody that is watching high school sports should be involved in um and the different community aspect that they've put in has been super fun um just as kind of an extra little competitive thing for the fans to do um and kind of earn some school pride that way so um again any score feed app um, super useful, super responsive, and extremely important for the 8x80 podcast. Yeah, get in there, get your town, your five stars, and just help everybody out. If you're listening to this pod, you like following sports around the state, get your school's information in there, help encourage others to do the same, because the more that's in there, the better we can all follow it. The more updated the information is, the better it, easier it is for us to all talk about what's going on around the state to talk about it with some knowledge behind it and that is just how we help grow all of our sports and help increase the exposure for all of our high school athletes here in nebraska but that'll do it for this episode um probably about two weeks ish until our next episode and then we'll get into a lot of stuff you know the schedules will be out by then um we'll have been gotten past the national signing day so the all of the NCAA signees should be locked in by then. Um, your D3s and your NAIs will still be able to sign after that, but most everything gets wrapped up here in this early part of February. So we'll get into as much of that as we can. There were a couple of big signings that from the eight-man ranks that dropped today. So be excited to talk about that in full context in a couple of weeks here. And next time we come on air, we will have hammered it out, and we will have an announcement, an, an official announcement, for something that we're going to be rolling out for this spring. So make sure you like and subscribe and rate and review, leave five stars, all those fun things for the podcast wherever you listen. And keep an eye on X, Facebook, Instagram, anywhere that you can for the news because, like I said, we're going to have an announcement and you do not want to miss this next episode. I'm really excited, I think, for what we're going to bring out and so just make sure you're keeping an eye so you don't miss the announcement when it comes out. And other than that, we'll talk to you all next time. I'll see you.